Grace and peace to you, Bloom, and welcome to our guided liturgy podcast. My name is Seth Slay, and I'm the music and arts pastor here at Bloom Church in Denver, Colorado. This week on the podcast, we'll guide you through the liturgy and prayers for the second week of Advent and explore the story of John the Baptist heralding the coming of Christ. We also have a special guest with us this week, Tim Whitaker of the New Evangelicals. If you don't know who the New Evangelicals are, I'll link them in the show notes, but they're a podcast and mostly online community of people who encourage listening to stories of those who have experienced hurt or trauma in the church and have rejected certain hurtful and toxic parts of the modern evangelical movement and are trying to figure out where they fit in to Christian community and to faith while deconstructing and reconstructing all of it. It's a category that I find myself in a lot of the time, so I'm very thankful that Tim and his wife Sarah were able to come out and listen to and encourage our church this past weekend. I hope our conversation with him in this episode encourages you as well. One more little announcement before we get into the liturgy. We likely won't be getting out any more Advent episodes this month, but we will have a special Christmas Eve guided liturgy for you that releases that day that we hope will help us all feel connected on a day where we are all kind of spread out, celebrating with people we love, or possibly on a day that can feel lonely and disconnected from family and friends. So be on the lookout for that podcast on your feed, and wherever you find yourself this year, I hope you remember that you are deeply loved and held by Christ this season. We hope you have a wonderful remainder of Advent and a very Merry Christmas. A voice cries out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. Let us listen and turn to the Lord in penitence and faith. Lord Jesus, you came to gather the nations into the peace of your kingdom. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You come in word and sacrament to strengthen us in holiness. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You will come in glory with salvation for your people. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let's join with the church worldwide in praying the prayer of the day. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and His light shone throughout the earth. He was with God, before all things and he came to be with us the light shines in the darkness the dark cannot overcome Born, buried, son. 
Here a reading from the prophet Malachi, chapter 4. The Lord of Heaven's armies says, The day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. On the day when I act, you will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Hear the song of Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. He has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his holy prophets he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. 
He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Here reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 3. It was now the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius. The Roman Emperor Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod was ruler over Galilee. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled, and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened, and the rough places made smooth. And then all people will see the salvation sent from God. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. I've had this image throughout Advent of the reality of being held, of all creation being held. And that in Advent, that which has held us was revealed among us. And we perceived it as light in the dark. I think the Advent can be hard because it calls us to hope. It's a lot easier for the church to call us to mourn, to recognize and be aware of the places in us that need to repent, to change. But the harder call, I think, is to hope. Because it calls us to do, as John the Baptist is doing in this passage, to stand on the edge of the known world and to call forth God's future kingdom, his compassion, kindness, healing, everything that we see in the life of Jesus. And that can be hard. Because it's hard to see beyond the current falling apart sometimes. But I love what Fleming Rutledge says about Advent, that it's John the Baptist's location that makes him an Advent person. On the edge of what we know, in the middle of the corruption, in the middle of the falling apart, but yet a conduit for hope, a conduit for light, preparing the way for what's to come. And that location, she says, is our Advent location. And not only our Advent location, but our location as those who are open to Christ, that we would be light and dark, that we would be hope manifest in this world. And so the call is hard, but also the call is not just us. The call is to be open to hope. The call is to be open to light, to receive the inspiration of Christ, that we would become it for the world.
So bloom this Advent. May you hope. May you hope in a way that places you in an Advent location, just as John the Baptist, just as those who have gone before, to say there is more. We're held. We're seen. There is light in our dark. And may you hope deeply. I'm wondering, what does it actually mean to hope? Is it like a mental ascension? That I Is it a feeling that I'm supposed to have? Is it just like, um, you know, a mental like belief that mm-hmm. of something in some future distance? And I think that I, whenever I hear hope, sometimes I kind of think about how it's been like weaponized against me and my own upbringing to be like, just wait for your miracle. It's right around the corner, you know, like positivity. Um, and give us more money at the church too, you know, because your miracle's right around the corner. So I think I'm just wondering, like, what does it mean to, to actually hope? Yeah. You know, um, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to do that um, aside from what my evangelical heritage taught me to hope is, which I'm finding maybe is problematic. <laughs> so now I'm not sure where to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that, like, Advent is really hard for me every single year, and I think you finally defined why. Like, there's something inside of me that, like, is irritated that I have to look at the hopelessness and the darkness of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, it's harder for me to sit in that space because it's already really a natural space for me to want to be in. So it's a good question. Because I think hope has meant positivity. And I think it's been turning into what is it? mean to have light in dark spaces, which is really different than mm-hmm. positive hope. Yeah. 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 Hope is a little bit of a triggering word, probably because I'm on the other end of you dulce in that my natural tendency is to be uber optimistic, mm. like always so hopeful. Mm. And the longer that you live in that, the longer you feel a little burned by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah because it just never really seems to work out that yeah. way. And then you start to feel really kind of stupid right. and a little ridiculous and foolish. Yeah. And yet be- it's just something that is innate in me. I-, I want to undo it at times, like almost talk myself out of it because there is, you know, all the baggage that comes with that, the fear of disappointment and mm-hmm. expectations and having to name that and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so hope is a weird word for me too, because I think it does go to like you're saying to like, is it a feeling? What is this thing? And just in the last couple of months, I think for me to reframe it for myself more outside of the word of hope, but just like, what am I for? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I just for? And if I reframe it in that, I can be for someone and I can be for the way of the kingdom and I can be for what Jesus calls us to and for the poor and the oppressed. Like, I'm f- I want to be for them. I want to be for the broken. And what does it look like to kind of hold space in being for something that feels really right? Because I think for me, then it takes away from it being a feeling that I'm just kind of waiting to see if it's going to play out or not. And it more pushes me to action. And if I'm for somebody, then what's my role in being for them? If I'm for the kingdom, what is that? How does that play out through me? 
even this morning when you're like, what are you hopeful for for the church? Like, even that, it's like, what are we for that's mm-hmm. still yeah. good? Right. What are we still calling ourselves to? What is still life-giving and pure? And that, when I talk about it, it's like hope comes as a result of that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have yeah. to start it. Mm-hmm. And I think for so long I started with hope and like just waited. <laughs> Like, let it be, let it be, you know? And, and so I'm, I feel like I'm kind of having to retrain myself, um, in how I approach hope. It is this weird tension that we're in where obviously we know we can't fix all the world's problems and that our hope is that one day the divine restores the cosmos, right? Everywhere, like globally and and cosmically, but also we have a part to play in that now. So like this hope is kind of far off, but also very real in the moment. And I was thinking, I'm going to try to untangle this, this, this web of of hope real quick, because I was thinking about how I think for me, hope is linked to trust. And when you grow up in evangelical spaces, whether it's explicit or implicit, you're kind of under the impression that the church is a physical manifestation of God and your pastor speaking on behalf of God. Mm -hmm. Right? So when you buy in and you trust or you hope and you trust that those things are all good and healthy and then that, that institution falls apart or you're betrayed or whatever it is, um, that trust is lost. And I think, I think that by proxy, your trust is also lost in the divine because your image of the divine yeah. was that church. So when you lose that trust, I think it's easy to lose the hope because you're like, well, what, what do I trust? Because, I mean, we have to be honest, right? I mean, God is this invisible thing that we're trying to conceptualize. So we're naturally going to look to physical or tangible expressions of that to go, okay, that's God. And so when when we are kind of taught that God speaks through the Bible via a particular interpretation, but we don't don't know that part yet. We just told that this is how God speaks. It's this way. And then when we're told that God speaks through the church, aka the evangelical institution, and you know, God speaks through these worship moments, whatever it is, uh, these small groups, and then that all goes away you kind of feel like you're just in the middle of a void of like, well, what is God then? Like I don't have all my categories are all evangelical. So I think for me, I'm trying to reframe, like you said, okay, hope. I want to believe that, that at the end of the day, (laughs) at the center of God is good. But my only experience of this divine has actually been now incredibly negative and traumatizing. So what do I do with that? So I think that's what I'm trying to unravel when it comes to those connections because it's for me it's all really tied together and that doesn't feel unlike a bunch of belief systems thinking that when christ came it would be with an army and he came as a baby mm-hmm. it feels almost the same yeah. because it's like can you trust the fate of everything to this this small thing you didn't expect mm-hmm. this like powerless thing <laughs> it looks right. powerless right. Yeah, I mean, because it, all, all of that fits, too. They had the church then also hollering really loud on what the church meant. Mm-hmm. And here comes this infant. Yeah, It's just crazy. Yeah. I think back to what you said earlier, Tim. You know, we talked about the supernatural location of John the Baptist this morning. But physically, like he was out in the wilderness. He was physically calling people out of the corruption, be it religious systems or the governmental systems. I mean, he was calling people 
to encounter the divine. Mm -hmm. And he was killed for it by the religious system, by the governmental system. It's hard to believe that he did that because his miracle was around the corner. <laughs> right. Like right. he had to have been captivated by something, you know, drawn into an energy that already exists, that divine hope. And because I think what we're talking about, it's, it's hard, misplaced hope turns into hurt and trauma. Mm -hmm. And then hope that we try to conjure up within ourselves is just as hurtful. But he, he seems to be caught up into something other than yeah. both supernaturally and, and physically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it will just take, at least for me, you know, just take time to build new bookshelf space for new categories <laughs> that, you know, like, I mean, Tim Mackey always uses that analogy, you know, of like there's no shelf space for sometimes categories that we just haven't encountered before, obviously. Yeah. And so I feel like the bookshelf and the shelf space I had was built on a framework of modern, you know, really white centered evangelicalism. And I'm realizing that the divine is really way beyond um, and way more beautiful than that. And so, mm -hmm. but unfortunately right now, <laughs> all that shelf space doesn't have, there's no more room. <laughs> I gotta take some other, you know, things away and build some new shelves and, and learn some new categories to start reframing. I think a lot of these terms, because I think a lot of people, maybe even listening, have heard these terms before, yeah. hope and miracles and supernatural, but what they mean for me probably is not what they mean for you now, David, you know, because you're, you mentioned you didn't grow up evangelical, which good for you. <laughs> what a blessing, you know, cause you, it's a lot of work to redo and to redefine like, or I should say it's a lot of work to expand these definitions to not just be centered around really just you and what comes to you. And, um, God loves you via the blessings in your life physically or, you know, monetarily. So, yeah. There's a lot of like unlearning, relearning that has to be done around like seasons of the church, I think, yeah. especially for people who are kind of going through a deconstruction or um, a reshaping of their faith. Mm -hmm. So like the concept of hope is hard for me because for the same reason it's hard for you, Tim, that it's like so wrapped up in the language of the evangelical church that it means right. something completely different now. Yeah. And so Advent is like, there are all these buzzwords. There's like oh, hope and totally. love and, you know, And peace. also judgment and hell. I'm like, yeah. I don't know how I feel about any of this right <laughs> now. Like, I know, they kind of throw that at you. That's like the, the traditional view of Advent, I guess. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's just kind of like, it's an interesting concept. Hope, for me, I've also been kind of trying to redefine uh, it. Because it's always been this kind of intangible thing of like, well, what does it even mean? Like, how do you do it? What right. is, like... It, it's not a just like there's no steps to here's how <laughs> right, you can hope right, right so the way we talk about it here or we we kind of have language that reminds me of what hope should be which mm -hmm. is that like we see christ in every person and yeah. we look for beauty in everything mm -hmm. and that's what leads us to god and for me that's like that's hope yeah, yeah. it's not tied to faith it's not tied to like yeah. here are these tenets and these things that you have to believe and you have to know and do in order for you to to have this hope or whatever. And if you're not doing those things, then you're probably doing something wrong. Like, you know. Right, right. So all, all of that goes on you. But, but I think it's more of like an awareness of the beauty around us, that we look for every opportunity for the love of Christ to break through, for the kingdom to break through. And that, that to me is hope. It's like an active thing and a passive thing. Like mm -hmm. we see it around us, but we also have, have a responsibility to, to point yeah. towards those things that are hopeful. 
yeah. and to be aware of the beauty around us that causes us to, to have hope. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I love that. And I almost think that for me, I'm just so wired to think like, is that too good to be true? You know, like, could God be just that loving? Is there, is there a catch? Um, it's kind of like when you, um, sing in a worship set about, you know, freedom, you know, like a Bethel song about how free, there's, there's freedom in Christ or whatever, or someone, a pastor tells you to walk down the aisle cause freedom is here. And then when you get involved, you figure out that it's actually like really more like bondage than freedom. And like, you're kind of taught like, no freedom is, you can't do any of this stuff. That is freedom. And you're like, okay, it's not really freedom like how I thought about. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, it's like, I think to be just transparent, mm-hmm. a lot of me, all of me is like. I, I believe that, right? But then there, there's this little voice, and it gets it gets fainter, I think, more and more every day, but it's still pretty loud. Um, it's still like, I don't know, though. Is God, is God just that good, though? Isn't there a catch? You know, isn't there, like, something negative? Isn't there some kind of punishment on the end of this, you know, if you're not careful? I think that the way you frame it with, you know, looking for beauty is just like, yes, yes. I, I want to affirm that, like, more and more and more and more and more. But there's still this little voice in my head that's like, but... And then, like, insert Bible verse out of context sure. here, you know, like, or yeah. but insert like this pastor's yeah. message you heard 25 years ago. For here. Sure, yeah. So it is interesting. It is a lot of work, but I think it's good work mm-hmm. and it's necessary work. And I think a lot of people want to put that work in because they're really sick of the, uh, I think, just the, um, I don't want to use church words, but maybe the legalism, I don't know, sure. but just like the real um, manipulation of hijacking terms that sound beautiful. Right. And making them really more about control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Which is really sad, mm-hmm. you know, that that we're all walking around and our 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 hoper is. Can I say that? It's broken. Our hoper is broken. Because, well, when you go into Lent, it's this invitation to retreat into the silence and and give attention to the state of your soul. And I think we're all like, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Advent is different Mm. because it throws you like, and I think about, you know, the hardest places in the earth I've been, it puts you right there Mm. in in hopelessness. Like that, because that's kind of what we tend to do. Humans, we build these hopeless systems Mm. where people are hurt and, manipulated and it's like advent says stand in the middle of that in hope and i feel like i'm this little robot i open my front cover on my chest and my hoper (laughs) is like i go oh i don't know if i can do this and the sad thing is it wasn't broken from the hopelessness of the world it was broken from the religious systems in our in the evangelical church yes to be precise yes so that's a tragedy to me that yes. that's why we're here. It wasn't no one to me. I don't think we've mentioned the hopelessness of the world. I think we've mentioned mm. more the religious systems that we were brought up in yeah. that broke our ability mm. to hope. And so it's, it's just a sad state. And I'm just yeah. speaking that out into yeah. the space that it is, it's hard. When I was going through um, a really just intense time in my life of a lot of anxiety and panic and panic attacks, um, the Bible at the time really came alive in a new way when you're reading the psalmist and he's in despair or you're reading Ecclesiastes and you're like, the first words are meaningless, meaningless. And I'm like, yes, yes, exactly. Life is meaningless. That's right. This guy, this guy gets me. And I think that is maybe the hope, you know, to, to turn this around a little bit, you know, is that maybe the hope is that, oh my goodness, 
like people throughout history have been in these positions before yeah. and they've, they're brilliant minds who we can empathize with and, and who are empathizing with us. Um, and I think also what's also reassuring and helpful to me, even though there's so much, still so much trauma and so much stuff that I'm working through is that while yes, I am very frustrated that I feel like a lot of my upbringing um, was like not truthful, maybe a lie in a lot of ways. I'm also reassured to know that this is not the historical church expression. Like evangelicalism as we experience it, you know, is not like how it's always been since the beginning of time. It's actually kind of its own monster, you know, in 2021. And and the church has done this before in its own own ways, you know, it's done terrible things, but it's always also had other expressions that were more faithful, right? And so the hope I think for me is oh, thank God, like that this is not the only way to understand the divine and that there are rhythms to life and there are rhythms that the, that, that the church participates in globally for millennia that I can sit in with now that have a whole different way of looking at how I was taught to view the Bible, the church, the gathering, worship, et cetera. So I think the hope is there. Maybe it's like a little match that's like, you know, a thousand <laughs> feet away in a pitch black room. But I'm like, I think I see something maybe, you know, and I want to keep walking to that because I'm, I'm drawn to it, even if I don't know exactly what I'm walking towards just yet. But I want to keep going there. Yeah. And I would say our hope is not the church. <laughs> our hope is God. But, you know, I'm thinking of that quote, like, um, the church is a whore, but she is our mother. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just kind of like having that right view. But yeah, I mean, it's like thousands of years of pe- humans getting it wrong. Yeah. Right. What actually is Christ's heart, which is to come and heal this world. And we keep, I mean, it's just like, how many roadblocks do we already have? <laughs> and yet even the place we're going to receive, it's supposed to be the place where we receive Christ is not always doing that for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, you're articulating that helps me understand that my hope is actually in Christ. Um, I love Bloom, so I'm not like, I think it's been a really safe place. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think it's going to be what saves me or the world. It, it happens to be a place I can sit weekly and feel like my soul has been washed. But I guess that kind of articulates for me where my hope is. That was very helpful for me. So thank mm-hmm. you to just be like, the hope is in this thing that feels impossible, this baby coming into a world. Mm. It's in the shepherds worshiping. It's in kings from other countries knowing to come and worship. It's not even the the establishment of the day knowing to come and worship, right? Um, So I appreciate that Mm. view. Yeah. I want to say one more thing too, if you don't mind, about what you said earlier. I thought was so good. The fact that humans throughout history have made mistakes and don't get it right just reminds me of the importance of having a heart of repentance mm-hmm. here. Because it is easy for me mm-hmm. to think, oh, those fools <laughs> back then had no clue. I have these new answers now that are just perfect. And how <laughs> we're expressing church now is healthy. Um, and certainly that's always a good thing to be thinking about. But you don't get there without, without having a heart of repentance, mm-hmm. which really repentance is a gift. It's a gift to let us make yeah. wrongs right. Yeah. That's, that's amazing right. that we can do that. 
Um, and I think that that having that heart of of humility and of repentance and willing. I love what you said today, um, or someone was talking today about Bloom and just like where you guys are, like as a, as a church and stuff. And I, I loved in a way how she said, like, we just want whatever, like the divine kind of wants. And if that includes like uh, the future, if Bloom's in that future, that'd be wonderful. But if not, like it would really hurt, but okay. You know, like the, the gospel will still go forth. Mm-hmm. I'm like that we need more of that. You know, because I think we get into our minds, because, again, of our evangelical culture, that, like, if, if this church fails, God fails, yeah. right? If Hillsong right. was to die, right. where would the gospel go forth? Who would hear these <laughs> songs to sing, right? And it really, it's a very narcissistic, arrogant, oh, self-centered view yeah. of humans yeah. Yeah. in that way. That if somehow we, if this whatever church fails, the gospel fails. So, anyway, I'm kind of ranting. No, I'll stop now. Great. But, you know, it's, it's just good to keep that in mind, that that attitude of humility and repentance in that the divine doesn't need us, but the divine at, at its center is love and invites us yes. to being part of their redemption work on the planet. Like what a gift. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I was just, you know, every client I have is, is there because their family isn't what it should have been. Mm-hmm. And they know it. I mean, they either know it explicitly or they know it implicitly internally like something went off I didn't get what I needed and um that's the story of families throughout human history it's the story of the human family the story of what we call the church Mm. but I guess as I'm as I'm listening to this something's like I feel like something live is rewiring in me that maybe the hope is just as simple as that we are seen that we're held by something that we can't understand, but in the words of Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I don't know, like maybe that's hope enough that in the midst of the falling apart and the things not living up to what we know in our core, they should have been fathers, pastors, mothers, priests, Mm -hmm. and the systems of the world that we're supposed to protect, but instead enslaved and oppressed that somehow we are seen in the middle of it. And our story is not unique. It's the human story mm-hmm. of, do you see me? Right. Somehow the answer from, from the divine, from the words of Jesus is, I always see you. I'm never going to stop seeing you. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know why I like that? Because it makes space for hurt. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to say, one day we'll have a church where no one hurts. <laughs> yeah, right? right? And I think that that like we're all aiming for something better. And I think we can kind of, it, it, it's definitely a tension. Like it's really a paradox in a lot of ways because you, you don't want to have any hurt in any church or in any system anywhere, you know, but also as long as humans exist, it seems like the pattern so far is at some point you're going to end up hurt no matter where you go, what job you have, whatever it is. So I like that because it makes room for saying, we know that at some point you're going to need the divine to hold you. Mm. And when that happens, we'll do our best to be a physical embodiment of that. Yeah. Instead of saying, oh, you're never going to get hurt again because mm-hmm. what we've created is the new ultimate heaven on earth, right? Mm-hmm. Which it only sets people up really big time to fail. So I like that because it makes room for the reality of life, which there is pain to life, right? All of us have had moments, no matter how safe our, our personal families are or even our churches are. There's all moments that, and, and also I should say that, that there are moments where I've been a part of that, where I've been the the 
person victimizing someone else with my words, yeah. right? Or I have a, uh, whatever it is. And so I think it allows for ownership there and to recognize that as much as we don't want to be, we're not perfect. And we also have our moments of perpetuating the cycles that we don't want to perpetuate. And that's where re repentance comes in. <laughs> and also making room for the fact that, that no matter what systems we build, you know, it's, it's impossible to eradicate all hurt or pain. But how, well, how do we work with people when that does happen, you know, to, to do our best to heal and to offer a place to heal? Bloom in the season, whatever hope feels like for you, be it healing, be it presence, may you experience the fullness of that, the beauty of that. This Advent, may you experience the light in every darkness. You are loved. Watchful at all times, let us pray for strength to stand with confidence before our Maker and Redeemer. That God may bring in His kingdom with justice and mercy, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may establish among the nations His rule of righteousness, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That we may seek Christ in the scriptures and recognize him in the breaking of the bread, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That God may bind up the brokenhearted, restore the sick, and raise up all who have fallen, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. That the light of God's coming may dawn on all who live in darkness and the shadow of death, that with all the saints in light we may shine forth as lights for the world. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray to the mercy and protection of our Heavenly Father. Almighty God, as your blessed Son, Jesus Christ, first came to seek and save the lost, so may he come again to find us in the completion of his redeeming work. For he is now alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.